Somebody's, anybody's, the sum of all bodies equating to everybody. Your MC, Master of Community, Philly Shira. Expressive language is used. Listener's discretion is advised. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 9 of Somebody Do Something. Next week, we will have the season finale of season 1 of Somebody Do Something. And it feels... Like I just started yesterday, but also it doesn't because <laughs> the work I have to put in on a week-to-week basis is crazy, but I love it. You guys say you love it, and hey, we'll keep it going. For this episode, my friend Jarrett from the first part of the system series, he hit me up and was like, yo, I got a lot to say about this election and stuff, and I was like, let's do it. So... This is a very detailed and outlined episode guided by Jared. And yeah, it's pretty great. Listen, tune in, have some fun. Don't forget to drink some water. <laughs> Let's do a challenge. You should drink, hmm, what's a good amount of water? 12 ounces of water at least before this episode ends. Yeah, let's do it. The water challenge. You got this. Here's the interview. <laughs> Let's get into it. All right, so just start well, wherever. The the main focus of our of our conversation the last time we spoke was about the defund the police movement, and I just wanted to clarify a little bit because I feel like people do not understand it. I feel like Democrats don't understand it. I feel like Republicans don't understand it. I, I feel like they also don't want to, right? Oh, because course, in order to truly take in information you you have to be willing to take in that information right and it if it doesn't fit your political narrative then it's probably not something that you are going to you know construe Except, in the right way right and right. we're at a point in history i suppose where we get to accept the facts that we consider valid which um no that th- cancel that please that concept right. is fucking trash um, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying. So defund the police is not disband the police. They're two very different things. We need police. I mean, you, you can't have a society without police, unfortunately so, because, you know, people do bad things and they have to face the consequences for those things that they've done. There are really bad people out there, really bad people who some of those people, other people are part of the police force. And so what we ultimately they, need is police to police the police. <laughs> all, exactly, exactly. Ultimately... You know, and, and that's our which focus. brings you our back focus, to the people. Right. Our focus is is on promoting education within the police forces and shifting that funding, all of the funding they get, all of, not all of the funding. Look, the funding when we talk about police funding, to not to cut you off, Jared, but just yeah. to give extra context before we even go forward, because every time we say police budget, just know that in most major cities, and I've done this research, me and Dudley, because this shit is crazy. In most major cities, the police forces have a significant amount of the city's total budget. Now, 
What that tells you is, okay, you must have a bunch of stuff that police need to do in your city, right? Including crime, no. Okay, but why is the crime not gone anywhere or increased instead of going down with uh, increased police budgets? And so right. now you see, you know, the, the second Bush administration pretty much militarized the police force. And that's probably where those crazy budgets even fucking came from. But they have things that they don't need. They have militarized weapons to use on civilians. That is wrong. And then you think about, okay, why do they have a third of the city's budget when the city is still suffering? So millions of dollars. It's shifting the excess funding that they have, the funding that they use on ridiculous things that are unnecessary, and shifting that towards the de-escalation of situations the demilitarization of the police force. The police should be there, and, and we talked about this last time, police are there to protect and serve, or at least that's what the mantra is, protect and serve. And my my uh, my favorite go-to with cops is, there's never a cop when you need one, only one when you don't. I like that. So, but also, yeah. I feel like protect and serve is very fucking vague, because what are you protecting and serving? And seemingly, no, well, it should say that because seemingly right. up until this point, they're protecting and serving the no. the original ideology of where the police even came from. The sheriff's badge used to be the runaway slave star, right. uh, a patrol, you know what I'm saying. Um, so yeah. when you think about that, it makes a lot of fucking sense. So they keep trying to cover it up, but it, you can smell shit in snow, bro. Systemic racism. It's woven into the institution that is the police force. And while they are necessary to society, there should be no place to have that anymore. There, there, there shouldn't be racism interwoven into the police forces of every city across the country. We, we need and to, yeah, definitely redefine what the scope of their job is. Redefine, refund, fund education, fund the things positive about our society, fund the things that can contribute positively to our cities and our counties and our country. There is a number of uh, mental health and therapy and psychologists and psychiatrists, like different titles, uh, counselors, uh, behavioral specialists. These type of people need to be integrated all throughout cities, definitely within schools, off the rip, not just a freaking guidance counselor because their load is too heavy because their job is too broad and they're not specialized in anything. It's frustrating. It's frustrating (laughs) because we still, you know, even the president-elect has failed to, you know, go that further step and say, you know, we do need a serious change in the institution that is the police force. And we'll get into that a little more later, but I want to start off the next topic because I don't... There's only so much we can say. We just have to lead with action. And to what you said about president-elect, they don't know it, but we finna be on their ass. This is not, this is going to be the hardest presidency in modern history. Exactly. Period. And this is a topic, this is a topic that we can continue on endlessly. Oh, we'll have some shit to talk about in February, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we we both have very strong opinions about the police forces in our, our cities, counties, and, and country. 
But, you know, moving on to the election, because we haven't really spoken that much about the election, running up to the election. Jesus fuck. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As you know, I volunteered for a local candidate for Sunrise City Commission. Mm -hmm. His name was, his name is Ernsey Dumernay. And he, he did not win the seat on the Sunrise City Commission, unfortunately, but but we got a we got a lot of votes and I was very happy with um, the votes that we, we were able to get. I believe we finished in second place. Which was I mean That's it's strong. better than last. There were five people running and we did we did good. I think we reached a lot of people and Ernsey is one of the most authentic people I've ever met and it was truly an honor to be a volunteer for his campaign because you could just tell the kind of representation he was going to provide to our city, the kind of oversight he was going to provide to the Sunrise City Commission. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to, I found out that there is a lot of corruption in local politics. Mm-hmm. Um, more corruption than I had even... I, I mean, I think we all know that there's corruption in politics everywhere, but sure. I did not understand the, the, the severity... <laughs> The mag- right, the magnitude of the corruption in local government. And one of the biggest things that people, if you're, if you're thinking about running for office, if you're thinking about, you know, volunteering for a candidate running for office, you have to know the lay of the land. There are a lot of people in local government who have been there for a long time and who have never really been challenged for their position. And one of the problems is when somebody comes up and is like, I'm going to run and I'm going to bring a lot of change. I'm going to bring, you know, I want to do this and this and this. And I'm very passionate about this and this and this. Most people and the, the people currently sitting on the, the whatever it is, city commission, let's say, uh, who, are, who have been there for years and years and years, they don't really think that change is all that necessary because they've been doing it a certain way this whole time and they are going to back the candidate who's going to give them the least amount of friction to continue to do what they want to do. Um, and, and, and in my opinion, that's what happened in this race. And I don't want to get too deep into it. I just want to say that it is bizarre and kind of frightening the level to which local government has been corrupted. And that's why more people, people like Ernst Dumernay and more people like us need to participate in local government and need to bring about change and action in our cities because nobody is doing that for us. The people who are currently sit on positions of power within our cities are usually doing a whole lot to benefit the citizens of those cities. Wait, you broke up a little bit there. The main thing is that the people who are currently in power in our cities, some of them, if not many of them, don't really do enough for the citizens of our city. Uh, They have been in government too long. They have been collecting a check for too long. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they don't want anything to change. They just want to stick to the status quo continue to you know do the bare minimum that is necessary to remain in power in positions of power within within local government it's frustrating it really is it's almost as frustrating as systemic racism in the police force because local government 
they make the decisions that affect your everyday life. They do. So if if they're not making the decisions that are right for you, then of you know, course it's going to be a shitty go. time. Yeah. <laughs> they have served for too long. I would like and to they say served enough. real quick that in this uh, election that just happened, the general election, we didn't just vote for the president in my county specifically. Now your county is different. You know what was on your ballot. Unless you didn't vote, which... I know. did. <laughs> no, 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 not you. I'm, 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 I'm talking to the <laughs> listeners. But we voted for an appraiser, a property appraiser. Uh, we talk about redlining in cities and gentrification. Well, these people literally assign value to properties across the city. Like, they're calling the shots. So you also vote for a sheriff. Uh, you want to tell the people what city commissioners do? City commissioners make all the decisions for your city. <laughs> and there's multiple of them, yes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's at least there's at least five. Per county, ladies per and county, gentlemen. Right. Okay, so... Well, per, there's a Broward County Commission, and I just found out yesterday that the Broward County Commission, uh, they determine the mayor of Broward County between themselves. They kind of take turns they have like being a... mayor and vice mayor <laughs> and that sort of thing, there's a Broward County Commission, and then there's, for us, there's a City of Sunrise Commission. There's multiple tiers of local government that stem from your county to your city to maybe even your your community. Mm-hmm. There, you know, if you have an HOA, there's, you know, they have oh, some yeah. sort of power within your within your community. So, you know, that, that, it, that, <laughs> there's a ton of different ways that, essentially, there's a ton of different ways that you can get fucked. <laughs> by the representation that uh, oversees you. So, you know, the key thing there is to know, to know what you're looking at, to know who you're voting for, to know the root of the problem, to kind of get an idea of where government, where local government has gone wrong in the past and who will change it for the better and not uh, continue to further this inaction. Mm-hmm. But you touched on the general election, which I'd like to get into next. And we've known for uh, how many days has it been? Two weeks now, over two weeks now, the results of the election. Joe Biden won, thank God. (laughs) Well, he Um, was only six points to victory. They were just stalemating to to make it seem like there was some type of, I don't know what the fuck, but you know. We knew this was coming, though. We knew this was coming. They called it play for play. If you go on Joe Biden's Instagram, it literally says what to expect. And literally, (laughs) it played out exactly what happened. So we knew, so talking specifically about November 3rd, we knew what was coming. We knew that there was going to be a lot more conservatives who went out and voted on election day. And we knew that the, as the mail-in count, as the mail-in ballots were counted, that Joe Biden would, you know, either make it really close or come out victorious. And he came out victorious. Now, we didn't know that on election night. Things looked pretty gloomy for the left on election night. 
Mm-hmm. The next day, things started to turn into our favor. Uh, I believe the next day was Wednesday, and Wisconsin and Michigan both flipped. And then on Thursday, we started looking pretty good in Pennsylvania, and the battle was coming in blue. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until Saturday Woo! we got Pennsylvania to, to go for Biden and Harris. And But Friday... We got Georgia, and just to stay safe. Just to uh, just to touch on Georgia a little bit, I'm sure everybody has, you know, everybody who's listening to this podcast has an idea of what has happened in Georgia and what is continuing to happen in Georgia. Let's go! This is like your favorite team winning a fucking Super Bowl, okay? Can I just expand expand a little bit on Stacey Abrams, the MVP of this motherfucking election? Yes, absolutely. Because she ran for governor. Was that the 2018 election? Yes, it was. She she ran for governor. Gillum ran for governor in Florida. Almost fucking won. I think they stole it from both of them. And I don't believe what happened to Gillum happened the way that they said that it did. And I don't think he deserved to go to rehab for that bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm not going to get into right, it. I'm, right. But I know how That's politics... thing we can talk about for days. I know how politics are actually played and I know how this fucking works. But you know who they couldn't touch? They couldn't touch fucking Stacey Abrams. And you know what? She doesn't she didn't even need to be governor to show that she had power over the whole motherfucking state. Now, the power of a black woman. And is she gonna win governor in twenty twenty two? You already know. She got the whole state on lock. When's the last time they were blue? Do we know? I don't know. I know Arizona, late, it's been seventy the late 80s, years. Eighties maybe? Nineteen eighty eight maybe, I think. Crazy. I think that's what I read. For Arizona, I think I read 70 years since they've been blue. And you know who won one of their senator seats? Former astronaut. Yes, former astronaut Mark Kelly, who was husband to Gabby Giffords, who survived an assassination attempt damn near point blank in 2012. So you talk about... Yes, you can... I, the, the election, the election results in Arizona were perfect. I, I really, I home he had, fucking like, run. He had Arizona on lock for like seventy-two thousand. I think no, I think it started at like one hundred fifteen thousand votes. We were up in Arizona, and then the the lead kind of corroded over the days. But I, we we hung on. Man, I got chills right now. Like this shit is powerful because you don't understand how important it is to see yourself to to have representation in these places and to know that your future might actually be different than what we've seen, especially in the past. So, wow, there's a number of transgender people who uh, uh were elected in office, uh Congress people now. A num a swarming number of of black and brown women and men in every tier of politics and it's incredible it truly is we love to see it because because that that is us that is our society we are not just straight white men you know (laughs) we are full of diversity this is the most diverse place on the planet and and we should celebrate that we are a culture of mixed cultures for too long it's been the old white men have ruled and i mean there's (laughs) There's not a ton of change in that department at the head of our country, but there has been in the past, and there will be again in the future. Yeah, I mean, we we added women women of color to the mix, though. 
Yes, we did. So, you know, yes, all of these people have to answer for their past, but at least we have two people who not only are building a motherfucking administration, a cabinet of diverse and educated and well-rounded people. The people they're choosing to be co-chairs of COVID, uh, Dr. Nunez Smith, a black woman, who has COVID affected the most? <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm people just, people, they're paying attention and you see right. that. So they're going to, we're going to be on their ass every time they misstep. But yeah. we see that they're going in the right direction and we have to bask in that because we haven't seen this in a very long time, if ever. In addition to the fact that, not... no, you go, you go. Go ahead. No, you go. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I just wanted to piggyback on the positivity uh, that you talked about in Georgia with Stacey Abrams. But I want to turn the attention a little more towards the negative thing that is happening in Georgia where the Republican election official who oversees the Georgia election is being pressured by senators in our country to throw out legal ballots. Those senators include Lindsey Graham and Kelly Loeffler, and it's heinous to me that this, this is, a is guy, the game. <laughs> it is, it is, and this is a guy who's literally a conservative who has said that he will count all of the ballots that were received before the deadline, and you are pressuring him to throw away ballots? Why? Because a conservative value is to not allow people to vote. They don't want your votes to count. They enjoy they hate when we participate. Local people they go... Only want their team, they only want their team to vote. They don't want our team to vote. And when locals go run unopposed, that's how they have, like, a fucking stronghold. Of course they talk to each other. They're not celebrities. They're not untouchable. The governor knows. Exactly. The senator knows. The You know what I'm saying? The commissioner can get in touch that's with. Something you, that's something you told me a long time ago. You said something along the lines of, you know, politicians shouldn't be celebrated as heroes or as, you know, these godlike figures. They they serve the people. We pay their salary. They are people. We've yeah. seen how they come into power. Now some of them do follow the track, you know, like political science, I want to be a lawyer and then go into politics like but a AOC and Ayanna Presley and Cory Bush and I can go on for days now happily. All of these, I just named women of color in Congress. So they they came from, they have various backgrounds. They'll, they'll tell you the type of jobs they've come from. And it's jobs that you and I have known and held even. Like, so they are people. They are people. And right. just in that hat, like Trayvon Martin's mother, uh, Sabrina Fulton, anybody can run, pretty much. I mean, obviously... No, anybody can run. Anybody can run. You know, there there are certain people who run for local government that you know that are not very good, not very good people, and you're kind of like, oh, you know, I don't know why you're running for this position on city council because you, you know, I know you, and I know you're not a very good person. I know a lot of people with personalities that would fit well into politics, like people who can manage and handle drama but also stand their ground. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah. Hello, I just named like 20 of 
my close friends and family. So, like, the fact that we don't show up to town hall meetings and get in the face of these people and show that we exist, except for when we vote, of course we have this freaking imbalance. You can't participate 25% of the time and expect to pass the class. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Great metaphor. Oh, but, you know, so so we win Arizona, we win Georgia, we win Michigan, we win Wisconsin, we win Pennsylvania. Big win. Philly we didn't win Florida. Up. We knew Florida was going to be an uphill battle. We knew it was going to be tough. Florida is literally always an uphill battle in the and, middle and of mom, the sun, in the middle of the summer. My mom has even said, you know, <laughs> she doesn't truly believe the results that came out of Florida. And, and our governor has really done nothing to to lead us to believe the results uh, out of Florida. I don't know, man. From what I it's, see outside my door, I believe that shit. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't want to believe it. You know, here's a fun <laughs> fact. So there's a Trump rally, like even yesterday, like every Tuesday since I moved here in June. Um, oh boy. Like on the corner of like where I turn into my house and. My district was pretty red prior, but with some good people. Like my, um, is it supervisor of elections? Yes. He's a Republican, but he's a black man. And I voted for him because he's awesome. Like in terms of how quickly I got my mail uh, to vote, how efficient the the process is, the fact that I could email him if I needed to. Shout out to my congresswoman, um, Stephanie. Um, but like these, like this is, you know, local politics. But so while most of my county stayed red, Biden outdid Trump by a solid two to three percent. So what That's does that great. tell you? That tells you that Republicans voted for Biden. Yeah. <laughs> Republicans voted for Biden. <laughs> there, was, there was really no other choice in this election. If you went to vote and you voted for president, your choice was fascism or a politician. And I think we were a little sick of the the fascist, fact-hating, orange man in the White House. I think, I think, I think we were all sick of him. I think something that that could kind of go for now I'm speaking about like old heads both Republicans and Democrats who actually absorb the news right so what you're watching is total bullshit you're listening to news anchors be biased literally and like not even hide it and they're reading tweets from the president like it's so insulting like who wants to in- sit and sip their coffee in front of that nonsense? Like it's like a reality TV show. I- There's a certain amount of people in this country who miss that element of this life, like this American life. Like I can't even get my news. Like I can't even, you know, get my health care. I can't even. It- it's hurting you're people. You're digesting the most biased information, but but you're digesting the facts that you choose to believe. You're, you're digesting one group of facts or the other. There's, you know, or, you know the, the, the other, and I say that with quotes because there's only one set of facts. There's not a fact here and, oh, yeah, there's this same thing that rivals that fact is also a fact. Yeah, no, no something can't be blue and red at the same time that's purple. That's something completely right. different. So there, There's a fine <laughs> line between skepticism and conspiracy 
And unfortunately, people fail to stay on the skeptic side of that line, and they almost always fall into conspiracy. Because conspiracies are fun to play around with. They're fun to talk about. They're fun little stories, you know? I mean, they're fun for the people who believe them, I guess. Or else, why would you, you know... I wouldn't even give them enough credit to call it conspiracy, because even conspiracy has a level of research. Truth to it. Yeah. (laughs) So... A monochrome of truth to it. Which brings us, surprisingly, to my next... My next topic that I wanted to discuss with you, and that was the former current president and his unwillingness to accept the election results. And this, we also knew was coming. Can we talk about all the attacks on democracy? Keep going, but like, there's a whole list. (laughs) He told us, he told us for years now, for the last four years, that he wasn't excited about possibility or idea of relinquishing power because he's a fascist and he praised dictators who have not relinquished power or adopted a democracy and he's admired them openly Mm -hmm. and it was not surprising to me and continues to remain unsurprising to me that he has not accepted the election result because we knew he wasn't going to. We knew this was going to happen. And that in itself is mind-blowing, that his supporters continue to throw their love and support towards him. It's it's not even him, though, Jared. It's the ideas. It is. It is. It's the ideas, and, and, and it's the ideas that he continues to perpetuate, whether or not he truly believes them himself, which I also question. I question how much of the bullshit he said that he actually believes in, because in my view, I don't believe Donald Trump He doesn't represent his, his, his fan base whatsoever. He not only <laughs> He has no morals. He has no convictions. He only is in it for the power. Everything these people, conservative, were afraid of with Obama is happening under Trump and they love it. Love it. He's trying to stay in power. They were afraid that Obama was going to try to stay in power, which was total horseshit. He had no, it can't happen in our country. And as much as people go, it's happening. He didn't even try, though. He didn't even try. He didn't even try. He, this guy is trying. He was so gracious in, in, his, in not only his eight years, but leaving office, inviting Donald Trump to the White House, which he didn't have to do. He, he, Trump called him uh, an immigrant that wasn't born in our country. Trump belittled him at every chance he got. He was so racist to Barack Obama. And Barack Obama still, still invited both he and his wife to the White House. That just shows you the difference in not only temperaments, but leadership. This guy has not been a leader for our nation. He will never be a leader for our nation, and hopefully he'll never be again. This, oh, <sighs> let's not think that far, please. <laughs> no, let's not. And that's, that's been my biggest problem here. I'm, I'm happy for the results. I failed to have a moment where I've taken a breath because... They went from staging a coup. My focus is is already on the midterm because Ron DeSantis is He got the go. (laughs) He is going to get a lot worse. 
now that Trump has lost. Throwing a tantrum like a, a big-ass baby. He already is a lot worse. He, he has introduced certain ideas of expanding the stand-your-ground law, which will only... It's only going to make things in the state of Florida even worse for the people who live here. He, he refuses and will never, he will not go back to state is shut down because of coronavirus. It doesn't matter how many community leaders step up and beg him. He's not going to do it. And it doesn't matter how bad it gets here. He refuses because he doesn't believe it. And the bigger picture here, though, back to the denying the results of the election, we knew that he wasn't going to accept the results if he lost. And we also knew that conservatives were not going to accept the results if he lost. The only way they would have accepted it is if he had won. I asked a friend of mine, shout out to Brian, he actually listened to our last podcast. He's a conservative. And he said, you know, the only way that he would have accepted the results is if COVID had never happened and changed the way we voted. And to his credit, he said he'd accept the results if the courts ruled against Trump. But there was... There, there was no way they were going to accept the results, even if it had been a, a clean election in their eyes. It, it, it would still have been a fight, and, and there would still have been, oh, there's, there's massive voter fraud, there's massive voter fraud, with no proof. Because <laughs> they're sore endless. losers. This is the oh, same energy are. of the Confederates. Like, where sore fucking losers. When, where were these people when four lost? When that was the most tightly contested election in our history till this one, where were those people who were saying, you know, there was election fraud and, and that was Democrats saying that, you know, but there was. And now the problem is that each state has its own set of rules as to how the election is determined, how the votes come in. And not everybody's deadline is November 3rd. There are some states where it's as far as November 16th, which would have been on Monday. Until you have a uniform election, like a, a national standard of elections, where every state is given the materials they need to process the vote and process them in a timely manner and process them prior to an election day, you're going to have these election weeks from now on because people will vote by mail. And that doesn't that doesn't mean that there's massive fraud or corruption going on. It simply means that you don't go to a poll, that you vote, you fill out your ballot, stick it in the mailbox, and you send it in, and then it's it's either counted because you did it right, or it's not because you did it wrong. And, and it can be some, amended. Right. It can 100% be amended before the deadline, no matter what state right. you live in. It just depends on what the deadline is. But, yeah, man. Every state is different. To that point is frustrating because if every state was the same as far as counting the vote, then we would have had a result on November 3rd. We would have had a result prior to, you know... Right, but the, we already the, know why it's not the same. We already know. Right. It's not a secret. In we addition do. to the fact that, okay, now we've taught everyone how to mail in vote, basically. Things like you don't have to fill out your whole ballot. You can leave things blank. It's not a test. You don't have to complete right. the ballot for it to, the ballot for it to be valid. 
things like your signature should and has to match your license or at least in the state of florida that's the rule um and even if it doesn't like that you can again amend it send in paperwork and prove you know you're you and they validate it and it's counted literally all of these things but in addition to the fact that this is convenient because election day is not a motherfucking holiday people got to go to work right <laughs> like it's on a tuesday oh uh, yeah which the middle of the that's, fucking week. Like, that's, that's stupid. That's not a great day to have an election. Unless you're going to make it a national holiday. And they close the polls. They People don't really have much time to get, you know, to the polls before they close. So, yes, At mail-in ballot. You'll, you're gonna, we're going to see mail-in ballot working this powerfully from now on, in my opinion. Especially with you and I and a lot of our peers and community leaders really doing the work and making sure that people don't sleep or slip because the moment we do is when everything gets flip-flopped and we're like oh why is this this way well because we went to sleep and let them change every fucking thing exactly which we must have done in 2016 because no we went to sleep with obama yeah we did we did and it's not that he put us but he made us feel comfortable safe and secure and comfortable but we, we should have been on his ass you know all the criticisms yep. he's gotten well where was y'all he should have been on his ass in addition to let's not forget what the state of congress and the government was like everybody was against him we had a whole gridlock i didn't even know what that was i'm like the government can shut down <laughs> like what <laughs> And remember that time earlier that year, the government was shut down? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm excited about Joe Biden for. If nothing else, it's that he will keep the government moving and working. And I do think he has the ability and capacity to reach across the aisle and to make deals with these guys. Because he's been doing it. He has been doing it. And it's for better or for worse. You, you You can't play partisan politics. It just doesn't We've work. just had Nothing a guy who was the bully on the fucking playground run our country to the fucking ground. Like, and take that as you will, but I'm not even exaggerating. I wish I was exaggerating. COVID right. made me under-exaggerate. Um, <laughs> he is unagreeable with people who are even his friends. How many people turned on him or had shit to say or he turned his back on them with the impeachment trial and the Mueller reports. Don't worry, I'll wait. Yeah. All of them fuckers it, it, flipped. It doesn't matter. He's <laughs> enemy. He called Lindsey Graham one of the stupidest people he had ever met. <laughs> he called Ted Cruz's wife ugly. And who's one of his biggest defenders? Well, Ted uh, Cruz looks like he licks his balls for a living, so... I mean, I can't even be nice to these people. I'm so sorry. I'm so yeah. vulgar this t- today. But I really fucking I, hate these guys, specifically the I'm names not, you're it, saying. Like, It's gotten to that point. You know, it's gotten to the point where I hate these people. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'm not that person, but I am now because they made it that way. <laughs> well, you see them literally ruining the ruining the lives of their own constituents it's one of the most i think that the biggest thing he accomplished 
he said he was going to do all these things. He said when he first came into power, he laid out a, a laundry list of things that he wanted to do. But I think one of the main things and one of the only things that he was actually able to accomplish was stoking the shallow divide that existed and, and creating a, probably the deepest divide that this country has had since the Civil War. And I really, truly do feel like we are on the brink of something, I don't want to say equivalent to that. Well, but I, think, I, I, I think it might be worse. And let me tell you why. I wouldn't give him the credit of dividing us that deeply. I think we were already there. I think Obama having two terms put a really, 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 really bad taste in people's mouth regardless of who was going to be president next. Now, yes, he did amplify and validate Confederate ideas and ideologies and gave a voice to racist rhetoric and misogyny and bigotry and fascism in a way that was so blatant and disrespectful that they ate it like it was fast food and fed on it continuously i i do think that alone that now that alone the fact that you know he was everywhere always tweeting always in the ear you know pushing these ideas i think that alone probably did more damage than it needed to but the country was already here these people were already here they were already yes. thinking these things in their head now they had and they're the, not going and they're not going away now that, that joe biden has been elected president because they have found their voice well, they never like, lost it. They, they never fucking they, lost they it. They never lost it. They never <laughs> lost it, but they were a lot quieter, I want to say, eight years ago, 12 years ago. They were a lot quieter, and now they're loud and amplified and proud. Well, they're, they're acting like him. rap, flag, and you name it, they've got it. They're, they're out there, like you said earlier, it's not just him, it's the idea. He has brought to the forefront of our society. The, He's like a Confederate the, soldier statue in real life for them. Like, yes. living in the South is why I'm saying all these things because I walk out my fucking door and that's the energy that I get sometimes, especially on Tuesdays on my way home. Like, particularly in, in central and northern Florida. <laughs> which is where I'm at. <laughs> A lot of those counties up there are very heavily red, very heavily conservative, and very heavily uneducated, which, <laughs> look at the places that Joe Biden won. Educated city. The people who, were the, who are the most educated in our country voted for Joe Biden. That should tell you something. <laughs> that should tell them something. Use your brain. Do your research. Don't just watch Fox News. Don't sit on YouTube and watch alt-right videos of these wannabe conservative pundits. And don't, I mean, don't believe in every conspiracy theory that you hear. It's important to digest more than just the information that you want to hear. Yeah. You need to digest the information that on makes you uncomfortable. both sides of an issue. That makes you think. Yeah, I mean, when you have people approaching Black Lives Matter with no facts, no standing, it's it's more offensive than anything. You you, you can't show up to there's the no test and not know the material. Work. Like I, I can't. I, yeah, there's there's no there's no meeting in the middle on that. And yet there's, it's it is Black Lives Matter, comma too, because white people do die at the hands of police officers, especially mentally challenged or ill um, white right. people. 
they didn't kill him. They shot him, right? He's still alive. 13-year-old white autistic kid. Um, and excuse me if I, I got some of the facts wrong there. It's been a minute since I read that. But this is this is an everybody fight. This is not a black and white. This is a human race fight. We're fighting for human really rights. Is. Trans and LGBT plus rights are human rights. Black lives having value, that is a human right that we need to recognize. And this racist framework was fucking... It really was fucking flawless in terms of highway, uh, I mean, runaway slave patrol, highway, runaway slave patrol turning into sheriffs, into police from the 13th Amendment, turning slaves to prisoners. This shit is so fucking deep. Um, it is. Tormenting our black children in school to make them feel like criminals only to make them become so as soon as they're, like, there's just like... Of incarcerations in the world. The world. This country. We lead in one, we probably lead in two categories military spending and and arrests per capita. Why? Uh, we don't we don't lead the world in education. But uh, we but prison labor is real. Look at our GDP. It's high as fuck. How? Right. <laughs> like because prison privatized prisons and prison labor and what they're doing. To the people that they're arresting and enslaving in prisons. I refuse to call them fucking prisoners and inmates. They're human beings. Most yes. of them, in my opinion, innocent. If you're in jail for a non-violent drug charge, you're not a criminal to me. Especially no, when are. we see how we're reacting to the opioid crisis, which is a predominantly white problem because, I mean, we're talking about pills ultimately and powders um, versus the other stuff. Like, so, mm, but the war on drugs has been going on for, oh, going on 40 years? I'm very confused. The opioid crisis is how old? Four? Eight years? <laughs> what the fuck? Was it Oregon or Washington State who who legalized all drugs? I don't know, but I don't I don't fucking know. It, I I just know black. that it's offensive as fuck. It's it, offensive it that a bunch of black and brown men are locked up for drug charges, marijuana charges, but the marijuana industry is not only super privatized that it's really hard to enter. Uh, unless you're kind of somebody or know somebody, but right. it's oh, it's worth billions of dollars. And it's predominantly white. Meanwhile, you have black and brown men locked up for pushing the same product. Now, to me, drug it's dealers are businessmen. And I said this in the in the episode with my mom because we were talking about Queen of the South, which right. uh, women running cartels. So um, we talk about how, you know, those stories, mob stories, they're our favorite. And this is exactly why, because they're businessmen. Like, their mentality is something to appreciate because being opportunistic in a country like this is beneficial. And I'm not talking in a capitalistic sense, but more in a, like, kill or be killed, survive of survival of the fittest type of way. Like, when you come from nothing, literally nothing, piss poor, treated like shit, you feel deserving when you made something of yourself. Right. However, you, you want to do you that. You went from a zero to Pablo Escobar, you know, <laughs> and a micro microcosm of Pablo Escobar. Bro, come on, come on. Yeah, and, and, and that is the American that, story. That's how people, this country came to, to be. People, <laughs> to the people listening to this and going, oh, you know, what about people who sell drugs to people who overdose stuff? Is that not on the people who bought the drugs? Like we could all 
there, you know, it's just a matter of... We could all be we, anywhere. We could all be anywhere, <laughs> but it's a matter, matter of using rational thought, and so few people do that. But this is and, why and, defunding and the police and refunding, reinvesting in our communities is important, because a drug addict, well, what's the solution for them? Rehab, counseling, different types of therapy. That's how you get better. That's how you treat the mind. What they right. have is not a lack of mental capacity, but your judgment and inhibition and, you know, motivation and self-righteousness and when all that shit is fogged up because of whatever all you need is some counseling and i'm not saying that to make it sound easy but that's literally what we're missing in our communities it, it would be a key piece to restoring a lot of issues disparities in our communities if we could get homeless people free counseling there would be a lot less homeless people <laughs> Yeah, they well, still have it, to do it on their own, but now they're 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 gaining the mental capacity. They're you know they're getting boosted and they and they feel confident. So right. you know, like and that's, it really I, I is might, that simple. I might want you to I might want you to cut the part where I said you know isn't it on them? There are so many things out there for people struggling with addiction that if you buy drugs and you overdose you're a lifelong drug addict like that's on you that because you chose not to pursue help you chose not to open yourself up to help mm-hmm. that it's hard to, it's hard to put it into words but i mean it's a lot more nuanced than, than we're making it to be but honestly ultimately we're not no that's not what i want to say we're all given decision we're all given yeah options and paths to choose and that is on us we we do we are all accountable for our our actions and on that note i have to i have to end the conversation because i have to eat (laughs) uh but um i just wanted to say quickly to to finish up here uh kim became the first uh, general, I know this is off topic, but Kim Hoon became the first general manager of a major sports team, uh, be, becoming the general manager of the Miami Marlins, our, our local team, our local baseball team here. And uh, nobody's more deserving of that. Michael Hill did a great job of getting the Marlins back to the playoffs. Um, but I'm, I'm all about, you know, women getting a chance in, in sports because there are so many out there who who know so much about the games that these athletes play and know how to manage them and know how to be GMs, know how to be managers, know how to be publicists and stuff for these teams. And I love to see women getting more opportunities in in the four major sports categories, the NFL, NHL, uh, MLB, and uh, NBA. And, And I think that she opens the door for a lot a lot more women in sports to have opportunities like that. I also want to say what an honor and privilege it's been to speak to you both of these times for your podcast. I so admire this and what you're doing, and anytime you have something to talk about, I'm here because I'm, you know, I love doing this. This is this is a lot of fun. You're my best friend, and. Having these conversations means a lot to me. Yes. But also likewise, like you hit me up and was like, I have a lot to say. And I was like, all we got to do is schedule. Write down your thoughts and, you know, let's, and we'll bang I, it out. I do have a hard time organizing my thoughts, you know, but, 
but because there is so much to talk about, there is so much to talk, and, and we could go days and days and days talking about these topics because we are so passionate about them. And I think the world needs a lot more people like like you and me mm-hmm. because without thought, without input, we are nowhere. We are nobody. Right. But also, I, I want to say this episode, you were totally like, your transitions you were like that brings us to our next topic i'm like oh shit i don't have to do anything <laughs> like <laughs> you, you know, made you, my job very me, easy you caught me off guard in the first in the first episode that i did with you because i i didn't really have all my thoughts together or written down or anything but this time i did all right well there we go that's the that's the recipe moving forward um yes ma'am yeah thanks for uh taking some time thank this was you lovely it's been a great season i'm looking forward to the next one <laughs> thanks Whew, hot damn that was a lot so we touched on a lot of stuff that we talked about in the first uh system series episode like the crime and incarceration rate police budgeting and uh defunding the police like general ideals about that uh it was really interesting to hear what he had to say about local politics which I mean, it doesn't surprise as much, right? But it definitely is important to understand and recognize and identify. <sighs> if COVID never happened, people would have voted different. I think I disagree with that because police brutality was just as big as COVID over the summer. Uh, black and brown leaders would have still urged mail-in ballots, especially because real voter fraud and disparities are specifically in brown and black communities, um, which is why I said earlier in the episode, they hate when we participate. They really do. And we see that in our polling places. And of course, you know, it's a nuanced thing and it's the type of thing where I'll get into this part later. (laughs) Anyway, they randomly shut down polling places. They deny credentials shorten the windows of being open, knowing that, you know, people work and need later times, all types of shit. And no, I'm not making this up. This is very factual. <laughs> like, voting is never convenient for some people. And that is the reality, whether you're paying attention to it or not, you know, it still happens. Talk to other people that don't look like you or don't live in your community and see how easy or, or how difficult some situations are for them. Another thing I want to say is that accepting quote-unquote election results is not a fucking thing, nor has it ever been in the history of ever. Uh, not even when Bush cheated, (laughs) Democrats didn't act like this. And to say that they're gonna ignore the results they don't accept is, is fucking blasphemy. It's disrespectful to our democracy and it doesn't make any fucking sense. And if anybody else tried to pull that card, it would be completely unconstitutional. So let's call it what it is. Stop acting brand new and let's go on with the game of politics as we know it or change it completely. But what, which conversation are we fucking having here? <laughs> I'm so frustrated with people, bro. Um, this shit is bullshit. I see right through it. And what else? They're trying to ruin the reputation of melon ballots early on to control future elections because now that we see how mail-in ballots work and operate and how easy and convenient it is to vote through that process, there that's gonna increase the number of people voting across the board. 
And one thing this administration tried very hard to do, in, in addition to it being part of the GOP plan for over the past decade, is decredit and kill the USPS postal system. Um, death by a thousand cuts, essentially. Do your research. Trump isn't the first person to try to kill the USPS. To the point where I feel like they're trying to ruin the nine, over 90% approval rating they have from citizens by tarnishing the trust. With many citizens not knowing and realizing that the USPS tried to help us in COVID efforts early in April by sending masks, five masks for free, to every household, to every address that they had on file across the country. This administration did not allow that to happen, and that's why it didn't happen, point blank. There are articles, you can do your research. I also think about the demographic of people who decided to vote mail-in ballot this time out of convenience, and I think of the people who have trouble at the polls in any way, and those people look more like me. So to say mail-in votes this time is fraudulent is to say the most marginalized people in this country are cheaters and over my dead fucking body <laughs> we almost fucking wish we were cheaters we've been cheated for going on 400 years and counting the real cheaters in this country as we know it today are the fucking billionaires the wealthy the one percent cheating their way through tax deductions and tax credits and bro don't get me fucking started. This is not the education series. Don't make me call Dudley in this bitch. <laughs> I wrote a dissertation, okay? Because I feel like, especially in this conversation, I was a little bit harsh. And I want to clarify that I will point out race in certain discussions. Because I studied sociology. It's part of my degree. And I learned that I don't say that pretentiously. I say that with to put credibility behind my name because this is not a podcast where I'm just spewing out feelings and biases and, and opinions. This A lot of the information, most of the information that I present, the people that I have on here are educated and know what they're talking about and are based in fact. Shout out to Jared and his company, basedinfact.com. <laughs> But this is real shit, man. I, we're speaking truth to power. And I just want you to know that I've done my research. And if you don't believe me, you need to do yours. Because a fact is a fact is a fact. Anyway, I learned about race being associated with appearance and systematic institutionalized racism being a predominantly American problem because America's foundation as a country is slavery. This country was built off of free labor of black people and indigenous people period that is a fact in the south confederates values uh have and always have had power why because people who believe in those values know how to play politics the literal only time black people were truly afforded the luxury to learn and play politics was leading up to the civil rights era or movement whatever the fuck you want to call it we saw how powerful it was when we play 
and when we made sacrifices and by sacrifices I do mean black human lives just to have a seat at the table just to have the opportunity to tell our story and share and expand on our pain and present solutions to help our problems in our communities because this is after integration so now my problem is your problem or at least that's what I was led to believe whatever the most important concept that I've learned about contemporary society is that certain people believe ignorance is bliss ignoring certain narratives and realities allow certain people to live freely without guilt regret hard work whatever you want to you know call what marginalized people have to do 100% of the time they just create and live in their own reality where you know oh I get to accept the facts I like and the ones that make me comfortable and let's just perpetuate this till I die well that my friends is privilege and I don't say that pretentiously I don't say that to poke at people privilege is not a bad word but you need to recognize it when you have it because there are people that do not For example, I couldn't close my eyes to domestic violence or poverty. I couldn't turn my back to what I saw as a kid on the streets of Philadelphia. I couldn't ignore the gunshots going off 200 feet outside my bedroom in South Florida while I'm trying to sleep for school. Some people are handed their life experience. Some people cannot choose their realities that they live in. And some people I've known turn to drugs and slash or alcohol to escape this and so do you understand why i'm so angry that a white opioid drug problem which is fairly new has been answered to and responded to damn near immediately while the war on drugs has been going on since my parents were born over 40 years ago the more I study facts and research articles and case studies and read the more passionate I get about telling black and brown and queer and indigenous stories specifically. And on my show, we are giving flowers and getting the flowers we deserve. So my whole point is, if your problem is important, then mine is too. Why? Because we're both human, thus we are equal. If it's weird for you to sit in this, then you should get used to stories that don't sound like yours. If you can relate to or if you are expanding your mind absorbing other stories then we're right here with it at eye level but no matter how you feel i hope you can find a way to be human enough to lend an ear to learn something new to expand your horizons because literally bro only beautiful things come out of that especially when you lead with love and respect people everywhere you go When I'm speaking of the problem, it's going to reflect the energy and the nature of the issues at its core. I mean, it's going to have to. We're being real. But also while highlighting women, women of color, black and brown and indigenous people, LGBT plus marginalized quote unquote people. But in the solutions that I propose, I will always be beneficial to everyone, the all-inclusive, no matter what the label, because fuck labels. I love everyone as long as you can love and respect me as well, because the true currency of love is reciprocity. And quote me on that if you use it. Those are my words. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just saying, I see you and I hear you for who you are. And I hope you can see and hear me for who I am in all the people that I bring on here. Just know that when we're in the midst of a conversation and we're being passionate, sometimes we tend to 
think singularly and (laughs) expand on certain ideas we have in context and in that moment, but just know that we are never lost upon the nuances and the complexities of these issues and these stories. I I try my best to listen back and and comb through and, and, and try to clarify as much as I can, but that's just one thing that I wanna say, even as we close out this season. One more episode left of season one. I love, I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And to any of my peers, my friends, <laughs> fans, uh, hit us up on SDS Pods on Twitter and somebody do something underscore on Instagram. Slide in my DMs if you got your facts, you got your story, you're ready to talk. You, you know, you got your talking points. You're ready. My my table is yours. My platform is yours. Um, I, I'm here to serve as a creative with a safe space for whoever needs it. I serve my people. <laughs> Happy Saturday. Enjoy your weekend. Do something great. But I hope you uh, drink those 12 ounces of water because this episode is officially over.